Well, as many of you can see, I am not Pastor Travis. I got the phone call yesterday. That's what I wanted. <laughs> uh, you know, we had, we had a wonderful, wonderful memorial service yesterday for uh, Penny Lovata. And uh, Pastor Travis reminded us that Penny's life motto was, God has a plan, and I show up. And you know, it's funny how we get to experience that at times. And I'm sitting in front of you all going, I'm experiencing it right now. Because, you know, this was not in my plan. If you were to ask me Friday what my plan was, it was not getting up in front of you all. No, nothing against you. It's just, I mean, you know, mentally, you prepare yourself all right. I'm the operations guy. I'm supposed to have all these things, ducks in a row. Let me tell you how fun this morning has been. Let me tell you how many people have called in sick. So please, I covet your prayers on us as a whole, on us as a whole. And so I get the phone call, hey, you want to teach? I was like, sweet, I get to talk about Luke. And he goes, that's mine. No, man. He goes, you do your first John thing. Oh, fine, I'll do my first John thing. And then I look at my passage in first John and go, can you give me a little more time? Can you just, just, just a little more time? Because if you've been following me, the, the big joke is I'm going to go through 1 John. It might take me 20 years because I only get to teach little snippets here and there, but we're going to go through 1 John. And let me tell you, the passage today, <sighs> were those worship songs that we just sang. It was amazing, and we didn't even plan it. It's like God knew what he was doing. Isn't that crazy how that works? Proverbs says, we make the plans, God directs our steps. And so, I want to encourage you today like Pastor Travis has been going through. You really think Mary had a plan? Oh, well, then on this day, this angel is going to appear to me and tell me, no, she, it wasn't there. But God has a plan, and God uses broken people like you and I. And because I've said that I'm going to be in 1 John. I've seen a lot of you turn there. And so hold your place in 1 John. I was tempted to go to Luke 2 and like, or Luke 1 and steal a little bit of Travis's thunder, but I decided not to <laughs> since he's my boss. But I am going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 3. You see, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus this Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, 
And if you, if you have time, we don't have time today, but if you have time, go home this week and just reread John 3. And remember what it must have been like for Nicodemus to hear what Jesus was saying. But I'm going to ask us to start in probably one of the American church, one of the American church's most famous verses that we all know. If, if I remember growing up in this church and uh, Chuck and Sue Lawson, oh man, I'm telling them a story. Does that mean I owe them coffee? Ah, okay, I'll get them coffee. But Chuck and Sue Lawson, they used to do children's ministry. And if you've never had Susan Lawson's cookies, oh man, they are amazing. But she wouldn't just hand them out. You had to say a Bible verse. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And so you wanted to be there first because their rule was this. Once that verse was said that week, you couldn't use it. And so all of us kids, thinking we're smart, we'd get there first, we'd say the famous verse, John 3, 16. And then if you were behind the line, you would hear that person say John 3, 16, you're like, drat, okay, I got to come up with another verse. Well, we know this really well. This was mind-blowing to Nicodemus. He'd never heard of it. Side note, I started memorizing John 3, 17. Listen to what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoa. Whoever believes in him, verse 18, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. People loved the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, Least his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You see, John 3, 16 through 21, there's three things, if you're a note taker, I want you to just jot these down. One, God's love and sacrifice, John 3, 16. Very clear, one of the famous verses that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Okay, I got that. I understand that. Do we live that out? Okay, now you're getting a little too too personal there, Garrett. Do we? Ask yourself. Can you imagine 
if we had heard this passage like when Nicodemus, I mean, Nicodemus was a learned man. He knew scripture. It must have just, wait, what? For God so loved the world that he sent his son. His son. So that you will have eternal life. That is so humbling. Nothing to do with, well, Garrett, um, you're going to get saved because you're going to step in for Pastor Travis on December. No, none of that. It's not my works. But we as Americans, guess what we like to really brag about? (sighs) Did you see? I filled in. I'm sorry. But that's what we do. We want to make sure people see our works. Jesus, in verse 21, goes, wait a minute. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by Garrett. No, by God. So the first thing that we got to understand is God's love and sacrifice. God's love and sacrifice changes us. Completely, 100% changes us. The second thing that I want to bring to our attention is that there is a choice of belief and unbelief. No middle ground. Oh, you can't say that, Garrett. Yeah, I can. And I did. And now it's recorded. There is belief or unbelief. And yet, I challenge you to think about areas in your life that we're kind of middle ground on. We're kind of wishy-washy. No, look at in verse 17 and 18. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. There is no middle ground. Why do we keep trying to find one? Garrett, obviously you have had espresso, and I have not. Sorry about that. I got here at 5 o'clock in the morning to study. I made myself an espresso. My bad. (laughs) I want you to think about that. God's purpose in sending his son to the world, John 3.16, was not to condemn, but to save. That encourages anybody that hears this passage to make a choice. Oh, man. You're wanting me to choose? It said so right there. It's not the words of Garrett. It's the word. The word says you have to choose. You have to decide. 
Who are you going to believe? And the third thing that I want to bring to our attention is the contrast between the light and the darkness. I remember growing up, and I've shared this story before, but growing up, I liked the dark. Why? Because I could sleep in the dark. And, you know, down below, we had a two-story house. My mom, Gary, time to get up. <laughs> what did we do? We put the cover over our heads. Garrett, I'm going to come in. Time to get up. <laughs> she come in, turn on the light. Oh, you're killing me, Mom. The light, it exposes. The Word of God. Well, we're going to unpack this a little bit more. Because in 1 John, when we get there, it says God is light. And I want you to understand that when it's saying that God is light, it's saying that God is truth. God is truth. In him there is no lie. How easy it is to blame things on God when we don't understand. How easy it is for us to try to say, well, God, look at this. You put me in this situation. I sinned because you tempted me. I sinned because, well, it, it says right here in John, what does it say? Verse 19, this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For anyone who does wicked things hates the light, hates the truth. Last time I talked about, uh, in First John, I made the comment about how I would much rather have a silent film be displayed up on the stage for you guys. Because at least if it's silent and you saw my whole life, you wouldn't get inside my head. I was a youth pastor for many, many years, and um, the kids, I love the kids because they're always looking at ways to justify what they can do. And if you think you're any different, we're not. <laughs> we're not different at all. We look for ways to justify what we can or cannot do. Oh, there's the line. So we'll just tow ourselves up right there as close as we can. I remember getting asked multiple times, hey, Garrett, what's the worst thing you've ever committed? Okay, I've done some stupid things. I've done some downright wrong things. I'm not going to share those things with you right now because it is getting recorded. <gasps> but you know what scares me even more? I'm going to be held accountable for my thoughts. I see a lot of us doing that. <laughs> I want you to understand, we will be held accountable for our thoughts. Hey, Garrett, you said something about good news. This is not it right now. You're right. But I have to lay the foundation. 
because it's not good news unless we realize how much it affects us. Does that make sense? It's not good news until we realize how much it affects us. And so in John 3, we see God's love and his sacrifice. We see the contrast between light and darkness. And we see the choice of belief or unbelief. Turn with me now to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, here's the plan. I'm going to read just a few verses today. Hopefully all at once. But I get excited, so I might pitch in a little bit. But I'm hopefully going to read it all at once, and then we're going to come back and we're going to unpack it. All right? 1 John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 5. And I want you guys, if you're a note taker, if you're an underliner, if you're whatever, I want you to have your ears attuned to the phrase, he is. Did that make sense? Look for the way, how many times it says, he is. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of of the whole world. Amen? Let's take a look at this. Let's unpack it. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. My friends, this is not a new message. We read in John 3, Nicodemus heard the exact same message. What did he hear? That God is light. He is light. Jesus is light. Remember how I encourage you guys to go back and read John 3 later this week? You can add John 1 in there too. You can just add the whole gospel of John and it's wonderful. But specifically, I want you to understand that when John is saying he is light, and that is the first he is statement that we're going to look at, 
He's saying that he is truth. In him is no darkness. In him is no lies. My friends, why do we argue with the truth? Why do we look for ways to hide or attempt to hide from the truth? That truth is light and it shines and it exposes our evilness. Oh. So if I read this correctly, Garrett, this is the message that we've heard from Jesus and we proclaim to you, John is saying, God is truth. In him is no lies at all. Now, if I said, let's raise our hand and ask how many believe that, I would hope a lot of us would. But do our lives show that? Do our lives show that? Oh, Garrett, you're making me uncomfortable. You're, you're asking some tough questions this morning. See what happens when Pastor Travis doesn't teach? Wait a minute. If I say I have fellowship with God, and yet I walk in lies, walk in darkness, it says in verse 6, I do not practice that truth. You see, the first thing I wanted you guys to look at was he is light. Side note, it does not mean that light is God. We live in a world that says, oh, well, God is light, so that must mean that light is God. No, no. We become, if that's our mindset, we start worshiping the creation instead of creator. Do you guys catch that? God is truth. In him there is no darkness. God is light. Why? To expose us, to make us realize, oh, how much I live and I love the darkness. And that's really uncomfortable for me to say. But I'm asking you to be true, and so I'm going to be truthful. We love the darkness. We don't want to expose our own sin. We don't want to expose the wrongness in us. And yet when we are truthful and when we allow God's truth to shine in us, and God has a plan and we just show up, it's amazing to see how God uses us even in our brokenness. Amen? Second thing that I want you guys to understand. Verse 8. All right. Actually, no, we got to go to verse 7. All right. If we walk in light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. That means if we're walking in the light, we are cleansed. If we are steeped in truth, not the truth of our own mind, but the truth of the word, the truth that comes from God, we walk in that way. 
verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yeah, you want me to camp on this verse or should I just move on? Again, you're asking me to be real with us. I don't think we need to take a lot of time, but that's where I want us today. That's where I want you to be. I want you to be honest with yourself. Do I say that I have no sin in my life? Am I allowing God's truth to penetrate my darkness, my hard heart? Keep reading what it says. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, I love that. We have this verse 8, are we deceiving ourselves? Verse 9 says, be truthful about it. Confess it. Be real with God. This is the second he is statement that I wanted you guys to take a look at. He is faithful and just. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and again cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember what we read back in John 3. Remember that we were discussing God's love and sacrifice. The decision of you and I, belief and unbelief. And the contrast between light and darkness, truth and lies. And now in 1 John, we read the same thing. He is light. There is no darkness in him. He is faithful and just, forgiving us. Man, does that not show his grace and his mercy being poured out? He is, not I am, he is. And I hope that you guys are seeing this beautiful picture. Because as, as we think about Christmas, as we see the decorations, as we, as we make plans for, for family activities and presents and, and, and staff Christmas parties and whatever goes on in your home, it's really easy to forget that there was a Savior born in a manger. But the shadow of the cross was there the whole time. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. He is light. He is faithful. Let's keep reading. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, John says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. He's saying, guys, I'm writing these things for you to be real. Be truthful. Understand how far we and how much we need him. What is sin? Anything we say, do, think, that's not directed at God. Oh. That goes against God's word, his deeds, his love, his action. John writes these so that we would be aligned with the truth, with his faithfulness, 
with his justice. And this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. But if anyone does sin, if you're a note taker, if you're a highlighter, really highlight verse 2. Because there's two he is statements that we're going to close with. You see, he is our advocate with the Father. Friends, we have an advocate. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. Quit trying to do it by yourself. Trust in his truth, in his words, in his life, and in his death, and his resurrection. That is good news. You see, an advocate, people will go, well, well, what is an advocate? A lot of us will use the advocate term in lawyer, okay? In law, we have an advocate. If you, if you have a defense lawyer, you have an advocate. You are saying, you can speak and create a case, I cannot. And what the judge says towards your case, that's what I accept. That, that, that's the advocate. But listen to what it says. Our advocate is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is our defender. He's our defender. Even when we sin now, God is not shocked by our human behavior. He has seen it all in advance. He didn't forgive us at one time and later say, oh, look at what Garrett did. Oh, man, if I would have known, if I would have known Garrett had done that, I would have never forgiven him. That, that's not what God is saying. His forgiveness is available now. Why? Because we have an advocate. You see, we stand accused in court right now. Oh, thanks, Garrett. This is really just a comforting message. You're calling me a sinner, and you're calling me guilty. Thanks. My email is Travis. No, okay. We stand accused in court right now. Did you guys catch that in John 3? We already stand condemned. Christ came to save us. Oh. You mean it's not God's fault? How could it be God's fault if God is truth and in him there are no lies? You see, we need to change the way we think. You see, our advocate stands up and he answers the charges. I can kind of see it going along this way. Jesus stands up and goes, he's compl completely guilty, Your Honor. Thanks. In fact, he has done even more worse things that you're being, than he's being accused of right now. Really? Yeah, really. He now makes a full and complete confession before you. 
and the gavel will slay him, and the judge will say, what should a sentence be? And our advocate says, his sentence shall be death. <clears throat> Excuse me? I thought you were supposed to be helping me. He deserves the full wrath of this righteous court. And all along, our accuser, Satan, is having a heyday with us. You see, we are guilty. You and I have to be real. We have to admit that we have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it says in Romans. What are those wages of sin? Death. Wages of sin is death. But God's gift of eternal life is through and in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so our advocate says, yes, he is guilty. Yes, he deserves death. But he approaches the bench and he goes, he belongs to me. I paid his price. I took your wrath. I took the punishment. I took what he deserved. And I paid for it 100%. My friends, this is the best news that you and I can ever have. Because you know what? Justice has to happen. How loving, how gracious would our God be if he just goes, oh, you know what? Hey, you know that time that you, you messed up right there? Well, uh, we're just going to forget about it. We're just going to pretend it never happened. No, that's not what Jesus, our advocate, says. He says, the price has been paid. The sin that you and I have committed has been dealt with. Oh, and you know what the good news is? Our father is listening to his son and the son goes, he's with me. When you look at him, Dad, you see the price I paid. You see the grace, the mercy, the love, the justice that was poured out. He is truth. He is faithful. He is our advocate. And the fourth thing I want you to, to realize is he is the propitiation. Now that is a 25 cent Christian word, isn't it? I mean, when was the last time you used the term propitiation in a normal English sentence? What does it mean? 
What does propitiation even mean? It means that Jesus is the one who atones and takes away our sins. He's the one that paid the price. He's the one that had the wrath of God poured out onto him. Remember growing up, maybe you guys did this, maybe not, but I remember sometimes my, my parents would go, all right, Garrett, time to clean the kitchen. Okay, I'll clean the kitchen. You, you're sweeping up and you get this little pile of dust bunnies, dirt, whatever, and you're like, hmm, I'm lazy. So you take that beautiful pile of dirt and you put it underneath the refrigerator. Okay, you laugh, but how many of you did it? Yeah, okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. My friends, God did not do that with our sin. We were bought with a price. It was paid in full. A lot of us who've been Christians for a long time hear it, we know it. But I'm asking us, do we live it? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of us are haunted by our, our past sins? How many of us are ashamed and will, we're guilt-ridden because of the stupid things we've done? Maybe some of us are currently doing. Please jot this down. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, your guilt is wiped clean. Do you believe that? It's not because of something you and I said. It's not because, you know, oh, well, I attend Trail Christian Fellowship, which I'm really glad that you do, by the way. But it's not because, you know, Jesus goes, I'm only going to save people in the Rogue Valley. No. We read in John chapter 3 that he came to save the entire world. We read in 1 John chapter 2, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I love that. He is the propitiation. He's the payment for our sins. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now we can get into the whole Calvin question theology. And let me just say it this way. And again, my email is... no. Um, the truth is this, that Christ came and there is no sin that is now blocking you to God. Amen. There's no sin that is stopping you from getting to God. Why? Because he is truth. In him there is no lies. And you know what he said? How many times did he say this? Believe me, you're forgiven. Believe me, 
I cleanse you from this. Believe me, I paid the price for you. I mean, we just spent the past half hour looking at it. And yet, deep down, we wrestle with it. Deep down, we're scared. Because we're guilt-ridden. Because inside we go, can God really forgive me for what I've done? Complete side note, and hopefully to bring some humor. Last time I talked, I got an email. I love the emails, by the way. But I got an email from an old, old friend of mine. He goes, Garrett, I'm so proud of you. It's like, aw, why? He goes, you remember the first time you taught the adults? I was like, oh, first time I taught the adults. He goes, let me remind you, you were in high school. Oh, dear. I was in high school, and the first time I taught the adults, and it wasn't a full teaching. It was like a three-minute missionary moment review. This is what happened on the trip. This is, you know, what God is doing. And my friend laughs. He goes, (laughs) I wonder how many emails Pastor Rick got. I went, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, you don't remember it, do you? I was like, not really. He goes, yeah, you said the butt crack of dawn. (laughs) Our God is faithful and just to forgive us. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Apparently, I was telling the story how it was so fun, but these kids just got us up at the quote-unquote butt crack of dawn. And it was like, it just came out. I was a high school student. It made sense in my head. We laugh at it. The email is, no. um, But the truth and the reality is this. He is faithful and just to forgive all of our sin. Yeah, I brought up the humor one, me misquoting at a church service. Oh, no, I said the butt crack of dog. Yeah, that is wrong. I, I know I shouldn't say that. But deep down, I'm asking you to be real. Deep down, I'm asking you, what is holding you back from trusting that he is all light? He is all truth. He is. I titled today's lesson, He is. He is true. He is righteous. He is faithful. He is just. He said in those few verses, time and time again, trust me, you are forgiven. And my friends, we are forgiven of all of our sins, even the ones that we forgot. If we confess with our mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he raised him from the dead. Romans was very clear and it said, there's therefore now no more guilt, no condemnation. Why do we live under that lie? You see in Revelation, the enemy 
is doing a real good job of accusing us. Revelation 12 says he actually accuses us. Satan is there saying, hey, look at what Garrett did. Look at what he did. Look at how he's living. And it's really easy to get in that mindset. It's really easy to stay in that mindset. And God goes, what are you doing, Garrett? Go back to the truth. Go back to what we just read. We have Jesus who says, he's with me, our advocate. The price has been paid. We have Jesus who is the propitiation, who is the payment for our sin. You see, back then, they would think that the propitiation was a payment that would ease the gods. No, this was a full payment in full. And guess what? There is no hint of guilt anymore because we are with him. Well, my friends, do you see how great he is? I encourage you to take the time and wrestle with these. Take the time and go, if God is light, how am I living that way? If God is faithful, am I trusting in his grace and in his mercy? If God is my defense lawyer, you have no better defense lawyer. He is our advocate. Why don't you trust in his case, not your own? And if God is our propitiation, if God is our payment, what more can we offer? Today, we're going to actually get ready to do some communion. And so with the ushers, uh, go ahead and grab it. And I'm going to close with this. Alistair Begg, if you don't know Alistair Begg, he's a great Scottish preacher. And he has, he has a great accent. I'm not going to try to do the accent. But he says this, without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross, and when, when I say the cross, I mean God's grace, his mercy, his love, and his justice. It was paid for. Love that. It was paid for. Without preaching the cross to ourselves, to one another, all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to look at me. Look at what I have done. Or we fall into the guilt that we can't be helped. My friends, if Jesus is faithful, if Jesus is true, if what he has said, what we have just read, we take to heart, how does that change us? It changes us from the inside out. It takes the guilt away. And what's left with 
hopefully disciples that are following Christ. Amen? You see, we're about to take communion. And as we pass communion, we do this as a reminder. We do this as a reminder that it's all Christ, not ourselves. And so I'm going to ask you, do you trust the advocate's help on your behalf? Father, help us as believers hear your truth that we are forgiven, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord, that you paid the price. And Father, I pray that as we wrestle with that, you would direct our steps. Allow us to make these plans and yet listen to you. Because truly, you have a plan and we're just showing up. Father God, thank you for your forgiveness, for your grace, for your mercy, and for your justice at the cross. Thank you for looking at us and seeing your son. In Jesus' name, amen.